Hello, Praise Chapel Paramount. This is Pastor Omar Lopez here. This past weekend, we continued our series on Erase. I talked about how God erases our failure. Peter denied Jesus three times. He followed Jesus at a distance. He overestimated his strength and he failed terribly. But yet, thank God that failure is not permanent. Failure is an event, not a person. And thank God that God can turn our failures into our great future. So listen to this message. I pray that it will encourage you. Well, good to see everyone today. Well, I can't actually see you, but I know you're there. And I've looked on Facebook and on the YouTube and see so many people that have gotten online here to watch the service. So I'm going to say this to you like I've always said it in service. Tell someone next to you or just speak into the camera. You're in the right place at the right time, right now. And I honestly believe that. And I believe today God is going to minister to you wherever you're at, in your home, or whether you're at work, or whether you're listening, uh, maybe driving somewhere. I pray today that this message will minister to you. We are on a sermon series this month called Erase. In other words, erase means to wipe it out. And despite all that's going on in the world today, think about everything that's happening today, Uh, We have a lot to be thankful for. Even as believers, uh, we're so thankful today that he's erased our sin. He's erased our shame. He's erased our condemnation. He's erased our brokenness. He has erased our failures, and he's erased our rejection. You remember I started off this series with that. I talked about how he erases that rejection from our lives. And last week, I talked about how his mercy erases our condemnation and shame. And without a doubt, I'm believing that God is going to erase this virus in the name of Jesus. He's going to erase the anxiety. He's going to erase the fear. He's going to erase the depression and worry. And he's going to replace it with the Holy Spirit in our lives with the joy of God. And because we know that God, the God that restores And God wants to restore our relationship. He wants to heal us from our sin. He wants to mend our brokenness. And that's what the Spirit of God does. And so I'm going to read a a verse of Scripture, kind of been the theme Scripture uh, for this series called Erased. And it's found in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Actually, there's a few verses, but I'm not going to read them all there. But when you get the time, read Colossians chapter 2. And I'm going to read verse number 14. And I believe it will encourage you, it will inspire you. It says, he canceled or he wiped out or he erased the record of our debt. Remember the debt that we owed because of our sin. It said, which listed all the rules that we failed to follow. How many know we failed to follow God's rule? With its decrees that were against us, the record of sin that was revealed through God's law, he took it away, he set it aside, and destroyed it and nailed it to the cross. So all of our debt, all of our wrong, all of our mistakes, all of our failures, the Bible says we have been erased and have been nailed on the cross. Jesus took it upon himself. And so we have a lot to be thankful because of that it could be erased from our lives. And so today I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to minister to you to touch you where you're listening right now. And I want to pray over this message before I get started. So, Father, we thank you today for the word of God. I thank you for people that are listening right now, that are watching online. I pray the presence of God would open their hearts and open their ears, their spiritual ears, God, to hear the word of God. Let the word of God come alive. 
Let the word of God just be real to them today. And Father, I pray you would anoint every word that I speak and let the people of God hear the voice behind the voice in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. So today, what I really want to talk about is those of you that are feeling this weight of maybe some personal failure. Now, when I talk about failure, all of us can relate to failure. And I'm going to talk about how Jesus can erase our failures. But I'm, I'm about to get real. Tell somebody next to you, it's going to get real right now. Because when it comes to failure, let me tell you, that's something real. All of us this morning, we know what failure is. Maybe you let yourself down. Perhaps you let somebody else down that was very close to you. Maybe you have felt like you've let God down. Or you acted in a way where you look back and you say, man, I regret the way I acted. I wasn't supposed to act that way. And I, you feel the weight of the way you acted out. Or maybe some of us, unfortunately, at one time or another, we have fallen short of God's standard. Not only God's standard, but our own standard. We let some people down. Or maybe you, you made a vow to God. Listen to me. You made a vow to God and you broke it. You made a commitment to somebody and you broke it. And it was a significant uh, commitment and, and, and you broke it. Somebody you cared about and you let them down. Maybe you, you, have, you feel like you failed God miserably. Maybe it's been an occasion where you've even looked at your marriage and you, uh, you, you neglected your marriage when you shouldn't have. And now you're seeing the results of neglecting your marriage and now it's kind of caught up to you. And I'll be real. Let me, again, tell somebody, let's get real. Maybe you neglected taking care of your body and you've kind of let it go and now you're experiencing health problems as a result and you're saying, how can I get back? Or maybe, let's just be real again, maybe you're facing a financial mountain right now in your life. You made some bad decisions financially and right now you're saying, with everything that's going on, man, I could use some of that money but because I allowed myself to get myself over in debt, I, I don't have the money, and you're living in regret. And some of you, let's just be real again. Maybe you were hard on your kids. Maybe today uh, many of your kids are grown and they're living on their own, their own but, but as you were raising them as a parent, perhaps you were a little too hard on them. You, you, you meant to be loving, but maybe you were overboard in your strictness, and today they don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm getting real this morning. And so some of you, maybe it's more simple than that. Maybe you had a dream. You had a dream that you were going to do something. You were going to pursue this dream and you never got around to it. You weren't willing to take a risk. And now you're looking at your life saying, man, I didn't expect to be where I am today. I thought I would be further along or I thought, man, you know, uh, my life would be different. My life would have more meaning. My life would have more purpose. My life would have more significant had I fulfilled my dream. And you're looking at yourself and how in the world did I get here? And all of us this morning know what it is to have some failure in our life and to say, how did I get here and why did I make those mistakes? So I'm going to talk about this morning how God wants to erase our failures. And in fact, I know last week I talked about uh, the resurrection and how he erases our, our shame and he erases the condemnation. But I'm going to go before the resurrection and before the crucifixion. And I want to focus on a character that all of us are familiar with. If you're familiar with the Bible, I want to focus on a man by the name of Peter. And let's just be honest. Peter failed 
miserably, didn't he? The reality is Peter failed, and he deserved, if we look at it, to be counted out. But thank God that Jesus had grace on him, and the grace of Jesus touched his life. Now, for some of you that are listening right now, this is your moment right now, because I believe that some of you need, need to be encouraged in this area because all of us this morning have experienced some failure. And I, I want to say to you that God wants to erase your failures and make them stepping stones to a greater future. Let me say that again. God wants to erase your failure. That's the truth. And he wants to make them stepping stones to a greater future. So how can God even when we fell miserably, even when we look at Peter, he fell miserably. How could God erase those failures and make us stronger and make it stepping stones to a greater future? Now, there's two mistakes. If you were taking some notes, if you'd like to do that, you can. There's two major mistakes that Peter made. Now, he made several mistakes, but I want to just focus on two mistakes that he made and I think you're going to be able to relate to them. Number one, the Bible says, I'm going to go back to the story of where it all took place. And, and the Bible says that Jesus had gotten arrested and they arrested him in the garden and they take him to the house of the high priest to be accused and to be tried there. And a lot of the Pharisees were waiting for him. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 54, you can write this down. Uh, they seize Jesus and they lead him away to the house of the high priest. Now, what I want you to understand is that as he's there in the house of the high priest, they're accusing him, there's false accusation, there are false witnesses, and they're even hitting him and blindfolding him. And so all of this is taking place in the house. And the Bible says that, G, that Peter has come to see what's going on. But here's what it says about Peter. It says that Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed at a distance. And I want you to notice that because that's important. And he said, when he had come to kindle himself by the fire or the courtyard, Peter sat down and he's sitting there in the camp of the enemy. And there's several mistakes that Peter made because he was following at a distance. Number one, write this down. When you follow at a distance, you're always going to overestimate your strength. Write that down. You're going to overestimate your strength. Probably one of the biggest failures in life is we overestimate how strong we really are. You think you're stronger than you are. How many armies, how many, uh, uh, you know, athletes have thought they were stronger than they really are? Or many of us this morning, we think we can handle more than we really can't. And in fact, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus talked about how his disciples were going to fail him, believe it or not. The Bible says it's there at the Last Supper that their, their, their final moments with Jesus, he washes their feet and he does all of that. And after that, they, they, they go into the garden and it's there in, right before they go to the garden. Jesus said at the Last Supper in Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, he said, tonight, this is what Jesus said, every one of you is going to desert me. Every one of you, he said, is going to abandon me. He said, for the scripture said that when the shepherd is killed, the sheep will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, he says, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you. Then Peter boasted of all the disciples that were there. This was what Peter said, but Lord, even if everyone fails you, that's what he says, 
I will never deny you. He said, I'll never do it. I'm never going to be that failure. And Jesus replied to Peter, the truth is before the night is over and before the rooster crows at dawn, you will deny knowing me three different times. And Peter insisted, listen what it says. He said, but Lord, I will never do that. Even if I have to die with you, he says, I'll never deny knowing you. And all the other disciples vowed the same thing. Now, maybe you've never read that, but the Bible says Jesus calls them all out. He said, you're going to desert me. Peter stands up and says, I won't do it. And then Jesus said, uh, you know what? You're going to deny me three times. And, and, and the other disciples said, uh, yeah, we're, we're not going to do it either. And yet the scripture says when it came down to it, they deserted him and they abandoned him because Jesus had already said they would desert him. All the disciples, think about it, besides Peter, denied Jesus. They failed Jesus that day. They didn't stand up for Jesus. They weren't there uh, when they were accusing him. None of them came and stood up for Jesus. And the reason I'm going to focus on Peter, because he was the most vocal the Bible says he stood up and he, he was vocal, he was bold, that he was going to stick with Jesus, that he was never going to deny Jesus. And yet the Bible says he, not denied, he didn't deny Jesus one time. He didn't deny him two times. He denied him three times. He said, I'll never do it. So let me just say this to you. Never overestimate your strength because many times that's what we do. We overestimate our strength. And again, a lot of armies have overestimated their strength. A lot of students have flunked classes because they overestimated their strength. A lot of people and businesses have overestimated their strength and thought, you know, we're going to last, we're going to do it. And then at the last time, at the last moment, they realize they don't have enough. A lot of spouses thought that they were a lot stronger and they fell into adultery saying, I can handle it. I can do it. A little flirting is not going to harm anyone and they overestimated their strength. You have to be aware of this kind of thinking. Write this down. This could never happen to me. How many people do you know that overestimate their strength? And say, this is never going to happen to me. That's kind of what Peter was saying. This is never going to happen to me. Can I read you a scripture out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12? It says, if you think I am strong, he says, and I can handle this. I like the version, the way it says it. I'll never fall for that temptation. Then you need to be careful with what the scripture says, for you could easily fall too. So the Bible is telling us when you think you're stronger than you are, don't be so naive. It could happen to any of us. None of us are exempt. None of us this morning, given the right situation, are exempt. And all of us this morning, given the right situation, are capable of sinning, even me. So don't exempt yourself to think, well, I'm strong. I'm not capable of doing that. The Bible says the heart is deceitful who could know. It's desperately wicked. We're all capable. Listen to me. We're all capable of messing up. We're all capable of falling short. 
we're all capable of breaking our promises. And when the moment that you think that you're not is the moment you are most vulnerable. I'm preaching. I'm, I, I need to see somebody on there saying, preach it, pastor. I need somebody to put that on that comment. I hear what you're saying. It's getting real now, isn't it? All right, I'm going to read this scripture out of Matthew chapter 7, verse 27. Jesus said, and the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell, and it said, and great was the fall of it. That's what happens when we are overconfident, when we overestimate our strength, when we think, oh, man, it'll never happen to me. I want you to know great is the fall of it. Now, let me just be honest with you. What happens when we overestimate our strength is we're misusing our strength. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. All of us this morning understand what our weaknesses are. We all said, man, I, I, I'm gonna, uh, I, I know what my weaknesses are. I'm going to stay away from this. I'm going to stay away from that. But then we forget about our strength and we don't pay attention to our strength. And when we don't pay attention to our strength, listen to me, that becomes our weakness. When we don't pay attention to our strength, that becomes our weakness. Write this down. An unguarded strength becomes a double weakness. Because you didn't take care of that strength area. You thought, well, I got that taken care of. I'm just, I'm just focusing on my weakness. That's a failure on our part. And that's pride to think, you know what? I'm so successful here. I'll never fall here. And I want to say to you, when you come into a spiritual crisis in your life, all of us this morning are capable of, of sinning. All of us this morning are capable of failure. In fact, some of the people in the scripture, some of their greatest success, when they were at their greatest success, fell into sin. And I'm going to tell you, the enemy, he loves to do that. And some of your greatest successes is when he shows up at your door. Think about it, as Jesus was being baptized, this is a special moment. The Bible says he's being baptized, and the Bible says that, that the heavens open, and God says, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. And the scripture says that he recognizes Jesus in front of everybody openly, but then Jesus goes into the wilderness, and what happens? The moment he got baptized, he goes into the wilderness, and he's tempted by the devil. Now, we know Jesus didn't fall for the temptation, but he was tempted because the enemy will come really when you feel the strongest, really when you think you got it all together and none of us got it all together. And think about this with Peter. He had been with Jesus at the last supper. Jesus had washed his feet and all of this happened. And what happened? He presuming I'm okay. I'm with Jesus. And yet we see his failure. So don't overestimate your strength. You're setting yourself up for failure. I'm talking about how God wants to erase your failure. But I'm also saying to you, this is what happens to cause us to fail. The second thing I believe that causes us to fail that happened to Peter was he followed Jesus at a distance. Now, I need to say this to some of you right now because this is the moment right now that I believe God wants to speak to you. And I, I believe lovingly God wants to convict some of you. Are you walking or are you serving or following Jesus from a distance? The Bible says Peter was following Jesus at a distance. Last month, I talked about proximity. I talked about getting close to God. You're as close to God as you want to be. You can have a closer relationship with God. It's up to you. God never moved. 
it's our problem is we, we, we distant ourselves. And the scripture says here that Peter followed Jesus at a distance. There's some people that that's how they want to follow Jesus. They want to follow him at a distance. Now, again, I want to use that metaphor even for here, right here in this church. And even when we've had the building open, how many of us this morning were, 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 were the latecomer and the early leaver, right? We, we, we kind of, you know, we, we want to sit in the back. I don't know about you. I, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not attacking those that sit in the back, but I'm saying to you, when, I, when the building is open and when the building has been, I've always want to be in the front. I want to be right there hearing from God. I want to be where the action is. How many know the closer you are to something, the more of the action you're in and the more engaged you're in? I don't want to be following at a distance. I don't want to be away from the action. I want to be right there where everything is taking place. And unfortunately, this morning, many times we're only, we're following Jesus because of the benefits. Well, I, it's kind of like fire insurance. I'm, I'm getting real now. We're, it's like fire insurance. I, I, I don't want to go to that hot place. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want the benefits of, of serving God, but I don't want to get so involved and engage myself. I don't want to be a close to the action. And God wants us to draw. He wants to draw us closer because we're going to make the same mistake if we're not careful that Peter did is he was following Jesus from a distance and that was his failure. Now, let me just be a little funny here, but how many of you have ever been to a Dodger game? You've been to a Dodger game, and I'll tell you this, we probably have been to a Dodger game, some of us, maybe you've been to a Dodger game and you got the nosebleed section. Now, you know, at least you could say you were there, and at least, you know, you got to eat the Dodger dog, you know, with with the onions and the mustard and the relish and uh, uh, what is that, that, that uh, Kula Kool, you know, and the Trudos. I mean, I guess at least you got all of that. But what I'm talking about this morning is we're, we're, we're sitting in the nosebleed setting, but have you ever gotten to sit up close? I want to say to you that I, I, years ago at this company that I was working with uh, for, they had season tickets. And I remember the tickets were like on the second level right by home plate. And man, what a difference. It's a different world when you're up close. I mean, the nosebleed section is good, but man, when you're right there and you're seeing the players and you're watching everything and you could see the entire field, you're saying, man, this is a whole different view. Can I tell you, when you follow Jesus closer, it changes everything for you. It changes everything for you. And I want to say to you, and I want to argue all day long that I believe had Peter been closer to Jesus, he wouldn't have failed. He wouldn't have denied Jesus. Now, why do I say that? Remember when they came to arrest Jesus, Peter was there and he had a sword. And the Bible says he was right next to Jesus and they tried to arrest him. And the Bible says he cut some guy's ear off. Remember that? Now, maybe it was a bad aim or maybe the guy ducked. I don't know. He cuts his ear off and the ear falls off. I like what Jesus does. He just gets the ear, plops it back on and said, Peter, we're not doing that today. Plops it back on. He doesn't say in Jesus' name because that's his name. You'll get that later. But anyway, he, he puts the ear back on and the guy's well. And yet the Bible says, Peter, when he was right there with Jesus, when he was where the action was, He was willing to fight for Jesus. He was willing to stand for Jesus. But what happened, the moment he got distant, he was willing to compromise and deny that he ever knew him. See, I want to say to you this morning, I'm not just talking about sitting in the back of the church. I'm talking about being distant in our heart. 
The reason why Peter stumbled that day is he was following Jesus from a distance. The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 26, he came to the courtyard in verse 58 and he went and sat down and a serving girl saw him and she said, I know you're one of them. And Peter was sitting there and he denied it. He goes, I don't even know what you're talking about. Think about this. Peter had been spending, he spent three years with, or three and a half years with Jesus. He was there and saw him do miracles. And now he's saying that he doesn't know him, that he's never seen him before. He doesn't know what he, they're talking about. And, and what happens this morning when we follow Jesus at a distance, we begin to be worried about other people's opinion. When you worry about other people's opinion, then you're making them God. I, I don't care about people's opinion. I care about what God has to say about me, not what other people have to say about me. And so here he's worried about this girl. He, he's worried about what she's thinking. No, he goes, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not following Jesus. I'm not one of those. And many of us this morning, when we're following Jesus at a distance, what, what we begin to be concerned about what other people think. Well, no, I don't want to be considered a Jesus freak. I don't want to be considered a guy that, you know, goes to church all the time. And when we begin to put other people's opinion above God, we're setting ourselves up for failure. Look at what Proverbs 29, 25 says. It's a dangerous trap to be concerned what other people think of you. But if you trust the Lord, it says, you'll be safe. So you're already setting yourself up for a trap when you allow other people's opinion of what they think of you and you put them first before God. Now, I want to go back to what happens here in Matthew chapter 26. It says, when he went outside a gate, the gate where another servant girl saw him, this is the second time, and then she said, this fellow uh, was with Jesus, she said. He denied it again with an oath. In other words, he's swearing, I don't know him. He said, I don't know the man. And after a little while there, Peter went up and said, surely, or, or they went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. In other words, they recognized that he wasn't from there, that he had to be with Jesus and he denied it a second time. I don't know what you're talking about. And he swore up and down that he did not know who Jesus was. Now here's the last one, the third denial is really heavy. And many times when you read it in scripture, you miss what actually happened. So I want to emphasize this third denial. In Matthew 26, verse 73, a little, a little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. And Peter swore a curse on me. If I am lying, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. So here he's saying, may a curse fall on me. Basically, he, he, he swears by God's name. And then he says, send me to hell, basically what he's saying, if I'm lying. May that curse fall on me. Here's the thing about denial and failure is we're fooling ourselves. We're not fooling other people. Peter was fooling himself. Those people weren't fooled. They said, man, you're one of them. And he said, no, I'm not. And he swore up and down. He said, may a curse fall on me if I'm lying. Many times we're living in denial of our failure. We say, man, my marriage is fine. 
when you know your wife hates you, when you know your wife wants to leave you already, and you say, no, no, everything's okay. And, and, you're, and you're basically lying to yourself. And this is exactly what Peter was doing. He was lying to himself. And, 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 and then the book of Luke really describes something here, that after he denied Jesus three times, in the book of Luke chapter 22, verse 61, this is what he said. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And in verse 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Now, it could be that as Peter is denying Jesus, that Jesus is coming through the courtyard. They're finished and they're, and they're in a procession. And just as he denied, could you imagine you just denied the Lord who you'd been saying that you're going to stand with and Jesus comes and he looks straight at you and he looks at him and you can imagine the brokenness in Peter's heart. You can imagine just as he denied Jesus that he was broken. Now I want you to listen to this because the last few minutes here, I want you to catch what's going on because I'm talking about how God wants to erase your failures. And I've talked about how Peter messed up, how he did everything wrong and how a lot of us this morning could relate to many of the things that Peter did. But this is what he did that I felt is really powerful and how God will erase your failures. The Bible says that after he denied Jesus three times, that he went outside and he wept bitterly. When was the last time that you wept over your sin? That you were broken over your sinfulness? See, that's true repentance. True repentance is not remorse. You know what remorse is? Remorse is you're sorry you got caught. But repentance is uh, I'm sorry I did wrong and I'm convicted by God's spirit that I'm repenting of the wrong that I've done. A deep repentance is saying uh, I want to change and I don't want to go back and do it again. Deep repentance is you don't minimize the failure. You don't pretend it didn't happen. And you're willing to weep over it and you're willing to change from it. See, whenever I'm convicted of sin, think about this. Whenever we're convicted of sin, we immediately want to repent. We immediately want to turn to God and say, God, we are wrong. But if you're convicted of sin and you don't repent, then you need to question yourself. Maybe you're following Jesus from a distance. Peter was honest that day. He finally was honest and he wept bitterly. He realized his failure. You know, that's what God's looking for is when we're willing to weep over our sin, when we're willing to be honest that we've messed up, that we've failed, that's when we could receive God's eraser of grace. Hallelujah. I just came to me, the eraser of grace. That's a good message right there. Uh, Psalm chapter 51, verse 17 David wrote this, and David wrote it after he had sinned and committed adultery. He said this, the sacrifice that God wants is the broken and contrite spirit. God will not reject a humble and repentive heart. God's looking for humility. God's looking for a repentive heart. A person that says, you know what? I'm not the captain of my soul. I'm not the manager of the universe. I don't have it all figured out. I need God's help. I need God to heal me. He went out and wept bitterly because he knew his failure. He knew all of this. The the one that was called Petrol, the one that was called The Rock, 
crumbled. And yet the Bible says he was willing to repent and he wept bitterly. And I believe that's what God's looking for. If God's going to erase our failure, we have to recognize it first and we have to be willing to admit it. We have to be willing to confess it to God. And in God's eraser of grace comes and takes it away. Peter, at being as bold as he was, he ended up being a failure, but thank God by the erasure of grace, hallelujah, that the Bible says he repented before God. And then after the resurrection, think about this. This is so powerful, and I don't have time to go into it, but if you read it, the Bible says that after the resurrection, that the angel told the women and said, go back and tell the disciples that Jesus is risen. And the angel says, and tell Peter. Well, wasn't Peter one of the disciples? Yeah, but the angels emphasized Peter's name because Peter, I'm sure, had been basically in his mind was probably broken even after his repentance and thinking, man, Jesus is no longer here and I've done wrong. And he was probably wondering if God really heard that prayer of repentance, that God really... Uh, with God really forgiving him. And the angel wanted to be clear to those ladies, go tell the disciples and Peter, meet Jesus in Galilee. In other words, Jesus wants to meet Peter. He emphasized his name. And the scripture tells us, if you remember that after his resurrection, when Peter's out fishing with the rest of the disciples, that Jesus is on the beach and he's cooking these fish and and he's making breakfast for for them and they come on the beach. And the Bible says that Jesus tells Peter, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Now here's the powerful thing about the story of Peter. See, Never think that your failure is fatal. Failure is an event. It's not a person. Failure, let me just say this to you, is not permanent. Never put a period where God puts a comma. Hallelujah. I'm going to say that again. I don't think you guys caught that. I need to see some response here right now. Never put a period where God puts a comma. A lot of us this morning, when we fell, we said, that's the end of it. I failed in my marriage. It's over. No, never put a period where God put the comma. My financial uh, issues, man, I'm struggling. Never put a period where God puts a comma. I've messed up my life. You know, I did all this. Never put a period where God puts a comma. Failure is an event. It's not a person. It's never been a person. God wants to heal. God wants to erase our failure. And think about this. The Bible says that, that when Jesus was in the garden, he had told Peter, he already had predicted to Peter. He said, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. He said, but when you turn back, because he knew he would turn back. He said, I want you to strengthen the brethren. And of course, Peter did come back because the Bible says that in the book of Acts, he was the one that spoke up that day. He was the one that preached. He was the mouthpiece for God of all the disciples that were there. And people got saved. 3,000 people got saved. Why? Because the man that was a failure was able to relate with people that were failing. And he understood, see, a failure, someone that fails and repents can relate. He's the one that could be the mouthpiece. He's the one this morning that can relate to people. All of us this morning have failed. And we can give people hope today. Never put a period 
where God put the comma. The erasure of grace will come and forgive. The erasure of grace will come and restore all of your failures, all of your mistakes. And friend, a lot of us this morning, we've known where we fell. We've known where we've made mistakes. And I imagine Peter had been discouraged. Peter was wondering, but man, in the book of Acts, after that 120 had gathered, when the spirit of God came, it was Peter that spoke up and and 3,000 people got saved that day as the result of a man who had failed, a, a man who had been broken because God knows how to use. He turned that failure into your strength. He turned that failure this morning into a power spot. That failure becomes that nobody's more qualified to preach on repentance than someone that's experienced a failure and experienced the power of repentance. So all of us this morning as believers can share with others, yes, I've been there. But don't put a period where God has put a comma. Let the erasure of grace come in and forgive and erase all of our failures. Thank God this morning that he erases our failure. You're not a failure. Failure is an event. You are a success in God. You are a child of God today. And maybe you've made mistakes. Maybe things have gone wrong. But I'm here to tell you today we can call on God and that erasure of grace is going to come and heal and restore. So I want to pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, let that erasure of grace touch the lives of people right now that are watching, that are listening, God. I pray the erasure of grace will come and touch them. Many feel like they fell. Many feel like they've gone wrong. Many feel like, man, I've messed up. I don't know how to do it. Never put a period where God has put a comma. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.